0: You are listening to a Heartland Podcast. This episode is a talk between Kim Gordon and Nadja Tolokonikova that took place in front of a live audience on the talk scene on last year's Heartland Festival. The theme of the talk is how art and pop culture has a potential to make change. Both participants represent critical alternatives to mainstream culture. Kim Gordon through the legendary punk band Sonic Youth and Nadja Tolikonikova through the protest punk band Pussy Riot. Both Gordon and Tolikonikova have contributed to societal discourse through art, film and political activism. In this conversation they talk about how art and music and culture in a broader sense have the potential to make change pop and mainstream culture have traditionally been thought of as less worthy than the more experimental art forms. But with artists like Beyonce and Charles Gambino, the two participants think that pop culture is beginning to be taken more seriously. They discuss what can happen when the commercial art forms start participating in the political discussions. The conversation is moderated by Danish author and radio host Torben Sangel. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Heartland podcast.
1: Um, So this talk is about the possibility of critical art in the age of globalization. It's also about the possibility of being critical in pop culture, pop music videos. We'll be discussing that. And let me make it just a, a more thorough and formal uh, introduction of my two guests. We have Kim Gordon, most famous for being bass player and vocalist and songwriter in the band Sonic Youth, a band that has been... <laughs> A band that has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. Um, But through all the years, she has also had numerous side projects collaborating with other musicians. She has made visual art. She has occasionally been a curator and an art critic. And she's even designed a fashion collection. Um, Currently, she's part of the duo called Body Head. And she also focuses on her own visual art. On my right is Nadja Tolokonikova, who is most famous for being one of the non-anonymous members of the collective called Pussy Riot, an activist Russian band. She was imprisoned for one and a half years after an anti-Putin performance in a church in Moscow in 2012, uh, an event that's had a lot of global media attention. Um, She's also made activist performance art. She studied philosophy in Moscow. Um, And Pussy Riot will be playing, as you probably know, tomorrow at 6.30, so please be there. But we'll not be talking so much about you here today. We'll have a broader discussion about critical voices in art and in popular culture. And each of you have selected two works uh, to be shown here on the screen. And we'll uh, begin with one chosen by you, Kim. It's the the music video sensation of this month, you might say. It's actually quite new, but it's had a lot of attention. It's, uh, This is America by Childish Gambino. Is there anything you want to say about it before we show it?
2: Um, I don't know, I imagine probably most all of you have seen it, I don't know. Um, It's, I mean, I don't normally watch that many videos unless it becomes a cultural phenomena like this. And um, I don't know, like it's interesting because I don't want to say too much before you, we watch it. So okay, <laughs>
1: let's just watch the video.
2: This
3: is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. yeah, yeah, or I'ma get the pair. Yeah, yeah, I'm so
0: cold like yeah. Yeah, I'm so dull like yeah. We gon' glow like yeah, Girl.
1: video slightly longer there's an epilogue here that we don't have time yeah. for so go watch it on YouTube uh, millions of people have done that already yeah
2: yeah. so yeah, the, the last part is um, he takes out a joint and lights it up and then the next thing the music switches and he's running down um, just for, running for his life like in a dark alleyway and the camera is just on his face you can't really tell exactly who's chasing him and his eyes are wide open. Yeah, his open eyes are and, just yeah. kind of really bugged out. Like, um, but anyway, there's so many references. But anyway, um, I, I, I just I chose this because I feel like, um, I mean, people talk about art, um, like musicians being artists or video as art, and is that? And um, it's confusing to me in a way because I always think of art as kind of a capital A, but I also feel like kind of this video addresses things uh, in a way that um, art really can't or it doesn't no. anymore. Like it, it's, it's um, I don't know, like I, I feel like the only way art seems to be af- when it's most effective is when it approaches political or cultural things more sideways um, as in the other example that I brought. Yeah. But um, but I feel like um, this is sort of, this is art, you know, this is really art. (laughs) You know, like it's critical, it's critical of um, videos, you know, it's self-critical of hip-hop, you know, the sort of um, bling and idea of, of what you're what you're supposed to achieve as like a successful like um, hip hop artist and um and but also it's it's says something about um America what uh, you know besides the violence like the short attention spans, and how um, we do just want to be entertained and not um you know, really look at what's going on, and these are all distractions, whether it's the new dance trend or whatever the new thing is, and I almost feel like that's shot in the same garage that Billy Jean was shot in, Michael Jackson's. Really? I don't know, I feel like that's, it was such a generic kind of okay. the parking garage or Beyonce's Lemonade, or not Lemonade, but that other song on that record, but, okay, um, you know, in terms of the... Um, Using, really using dance, which is kind of um, a naturally empathetic, there's a natural um, kinesi, kinesiology, kinesiist, <laughs> I don't have the word. Uh, when you see someone dancing, it's almost like inside you start dancing. And when you watch this video, um, it, it disrupts that because suddenly, like, there's something violent that happens, and, yeah. and you can't, you, your body is going, you know, just stops. Or
1: yeah. There are two big shock effects that normally are not part of a pop music video, and he, they create this happy atmosphere, and then it breaks uh, suddenly in two instances with this. Well, I've seen it more than 20 times, and it keeps getting better every time. I keep seeing new things. I even saw new things uh, watching it here uh, this time. It's, um, but also, as you pointed to, the way that the dance takes focus away from what goes on in the background, it could almost be symbolic of, you know, pop music or pop culture taking attention away from what's really going on, being complicit with, uh, with yeah, the yeah. violence that, that's going on. Not yet. did you know this before?
3: Of course I did.
1: Yeah, and uh, do you have any... Here.
3: I think uh, almost everybody watched this video. Um, um, I do. First of all, it's a great video. Second thing that um, you know, I, I don't really get reason why uh, we still call, like, when we're talking about pop culture we're saying, oh, like it's pop culture and at least it sounds from our mouth is um, like it's something diminishing. So we're talking about that, about pop culture as critical artists, about um, you know, activists or academics like it's something that is not worthy. Um, but um, videos like that actually shows me that it is possible to use channels that you have as a poor artist to get your thought across, and uh, it is pretty radical. So what really matters to me in political artworks is uh, the level of radicalism, uh, and. This artwork is radical and actually pushes boundaries of what is doable, what is uh, what can exist in the pop culture. Um, because I had an interesting <laughs> period in my life uh, when I, more for fun, more for fun, for my personal fun, was talking to record labels, and um, including major labels, and we were thinking of what can we do together with Pussy Riot. Because I was looking for um, bigger channels to... Uh, Comer thoughts across the world. And uh, at that time, it was 2014, uh, it was 2015. Actually, originally, like all ARs and uh, the artistic heads of labels, they were really interested in phenomenon of PC right, and they were like, Yeah, we, we are into something political. But then, when this information would come to somebody who should decide their economic decisions, they, it, uh, the answer would always be no just through my death body, that what number of uh, head of, CEO of labels said, because they didn't want to have, um, to be involved um, too heavily with politics. But now I see things are dramatically changing, and um, Beyonce, you mentioned Beyonce, she was one of Another greatest examples and pioneers of being pretty radical, uh, from my mind, in pop music, and uh, I wanted to show another video, but it wasn't possible to show the third one. So my third video um, was um, Beyoncé's um, "Ghost," and uh, she's talking about working. All the people on the planet has to work from five, nine to five just to stay alive. So basically, she's addressing a socialist um, issue, and she uh, biggest pop artist, one of the wealthiest persons on the planet is acting like a labor union leader which deserves respect at least.
1: There's There's an old sort of modernist idea that in order to be critical you should make art that is experimental that is opposed to pop culture or commercial music for instance because commercial music is just Invested in in power in in a way that you need to be experimental in order to to challenge that. And the other version that we have here, which you may call postmodern, which is a terrible word, is that you can from within commercial pop culture you can actually subvert it.
2: Well, I mean, I don't think you know. There's no center to anything anymore. You know, like um, so. I think maybe that made sense for art to... It had to look a certain way. I mean, art should never have to look a certain way. You know, like it's kind of um, like uh, Nadia was saying, it's more about like the critical thought behind it. And um, then it doesn't really matter what form it takes. Um, but you know, like in the, in the 70s, film directors were making films that were I would call art a lot of them. I mean, they were really, you know, just... um, They weren't commercial. And they were answering... People were looking to art then um, to answer questions about feminism or, um, you know, being a single mom or the war. And filmmakers replied with um, films like, you know, Unmarried Woman, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and... I don't know, taxi driver. Um, um, you know, many films. I don't. Th- so people, though, now aren't really asking art those questions. <laughs> you know. So, um, and it's kind of, um, it's just all of content now, in a way, and different kinds of contents.
1: Still, um, Sonic Youth was was in. Was a band that was also kind of experimenting with uh, guitar sounds, and at the same time, sort of immersed in in pop culture. You were sort of in between high art and pop culture, you you may say. It 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 didn't see it. It did seem to matter how Sonic Youth sounded, not only the message.
2: Well, I mean, we we um, you know we we would try and contrast more sort of traditional sounds like rock or. Melody with more, more dissonant things um, for contrast because we felt like that's the way life is, you yeah. know, <laughs> and um, and we we did want to sign to a major label because we wanted to get our records more widely distributed and it was kind of like not, not an experiment but kind of you know like um, um, I, it it wasn't it didn't mean as much to make comments about popular culture outside of popular culture. That's what first drew me to wanna, wanting to play music, is mm-hmm. to want to make comments about popular culture within something that was, not that we were mainstream, but mm-hmm. to, to use that genre.
1: That also goes for Pussy Riot, doesn't it?
3: Um, but I really like to describe this phenomenon as no brow You know, there's something that exists beyond high and low brow And... Um, I went through different um, stages in my life where, when I was, um, I was talking just through really complicated philosophical terms because I was obsessed with my uh, education of philosophy. I was studying in Moscow State University, and then after that, I decided that I'll just talk under super simple language that a um, three years old kid would understand. And then after that, I came to. Uh, another stage, and I think I'm there right now, so everything exists within a context, and when when, it, um, when it's time to use one or another kind of language, you should do it, but uh, as an artist, you should be always critical about uh, the environment and about conditions of where you're making this or another statement. And uh, for me, for, uh, the art is about um, As I said before, radicalism, it's always about pushing boundaries of what is doable in this context. So if if I personally can step into pop culture and make something that was not previously doable in pop culture, I would do it because it's interesting for me to create something unimaginable in a given context. Um, When I'm making... um, something in an art space an institution, institutionalized art space i'm thinking like what can not be exposed in the museum what uh, museum cannot stand and that's why it it brings us right uh, to the point where actually everybody can understand us because that's this method that we apply to all kinds of situations when uh, we are given an opportunity to talk um you know sometimes when i'm really tired I'm not thinking critical enough, and I'm just thinking what, I, what I'm supposed to say um, <laughs> at their, uh, any given place. But then I start to feel myself really terrible. Like, for example, when you have to, to speak as a Russian dissident, you have to speak at the uh, United uh, States Senate in front of congressmen and senators. Uh, you arrive there, and you are supposed to speak about um, Russian political prisoners. Because it falls into Cold War paradigm, uh, and they, they, it's really comfortable for them to listen about other countries having political prisoners. So, what um, what we did, um, we. Uh, Contacted uh, acapella street movement and we asked them, like, what uh, do you do? do You in your country have political prisoners? And we contacted uh, an actual person, Cecily Macmillan, who was in prison at the time. And uh, so we came to speak not just about Russian political prisoners, but about um, American as well. So if you can make um, your host uncomfortable, uh, then you should make it, I think, as an artist.
1: And today, here in Denmark, you're I
3: have a message for Denmark
1: too. Yeah, you're you're covering because, uh, you're covering your face uh, in public, which is uh, now sort of forbidden here. Um, uh, uh, I
3: don't think it's uncomfortable for you though, and you're my host. Okay, I I, I, I didn't prepare anything shitty for you personally, but <laughs> but for yeah, I, I'm really I'm not I'm not in support of this um, really strange law. Cause like why why you cannot appear in public places in a mask or in something that covers your face if it's your personal choice?
1: Speaking of, of transforming into different national cultures, uh, This is America has also been made into, this is Nigeria, there's a Nigerian version, there's a Jamaican version, this is Jamaican. This is Russia too. There is? Oh, I didn't, I didn't find that on YouTube, I gotta check that out. So it's spreading, so each country can address with new lyrics, but within this forum, with the same melody and cover versions, they can address the issues that are in there, country. There's also a version called This is Canada, but that's just about how nice they all are in Canada. It's it's more like a parody. Uh, Anyway, so we need to move on. Um, The next example is somewhere in between pop culture and high art, uh, leading toward the experimental. It's the German composer Alba Noto with the video UNI acronym based on a system poet by a French uh, lyricist called James Chaton. Um, could you, do you want to say something before we watch it?
3: You called him composer, but uh, uh, as far as I know about Alvanota, he's trying to escape this, um, you know, position to be called musician. And I think that's another thing that exists here on the stage between us and we share it. Um, like, you know, trying to combine music and art and trying to blur these boundaries between music and art. But um, First of all, I guess what we're trying to do here is not to be just a piece of entertainment, but something else. And uh, Alvanat is definitely sharing that with us. But though he, he wrote, like um, he recorded 10 albums in a proper studio, um, though he still doesn't want to call himself a musician. So that's his work that actually inspires me a lot and um, other Pussy Writers.
1: Okay, let's watch it. The video, of course, as you may have guessed, continues all through the alphabet, but we don't have time to show it all. Watch it on YouTube. Um, So, this is obviously about how brands are made into these easy three-letter acronyms. Um, At the same time, it's not only... uh, company brands, it's also stuff like C++ and AFX, AFX Twin, PIL, Public Image, uh, Image Limited, and so on. So how would you describe the, the what, what's going on here?
3: But I think that's the great thing, that it's not only brands, but uh, I think the percentage uh, between just normal things in our life and brands um, is pretty accurate, what we see in this video and what we have in our life. Because like we were discussing briefly um, before we went on stage, just like all sorts of documentaries, and a lot of them, in a lot of cases, they are super sentimental, so the author is trying to um, push other people to think what he thinks about reality exactly. And sometimes you just start to reject it right away because you don't want, they like, you can know since you're a little kid, you don't like when your mother tells you what to do. And um, what's good about this video that actually he, He just shows us a reality, I think, pretty accurately. So basically, I think uh, Almanotti here is a realist, and it works as a realist picture or as a sociological examination of uh, the culture we're living in. And uh, the thought is pretty easy, and that's another um, thing that um, usually characterizes great art. Like, it's it's really really to understand without any additional words to understand what, what, what he wanted to say.
1: Apart from being realist and just naming things, there's also a kind of estrangement uh, aesthetics to it, alienation aesthetics. It's a very, very dry, electronic sort of computer voice, and, and um, so that's also a part of it, right? That it's sort of, it gets a bit scary. I mean, it's, it's of course reminiscent of, of Kraftwerk, uh, songs like uh, um, Computer World and Numbers, and, and that period in, in Kraftwerk.
3: Yep, Um, and we're we're living in times where we're just counting uh, years until artificial intelligence will be smarter than we are. And as Pussy we I usually prefer to make my voice mechanical too, so yeah, and not all of the time have uh, means to do it, but um, we're trying to make it, and tomorrow you will have a chance to (laughs) hear some of uh, the tracks that we made uh, with mechanical voice. Um completely forgot what I, bu- I was about to say before, but
1: sorry. That's okay. Kim, what did you think of this? I, I
3: remembered. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. Um, there's another reason why I wanted to show this one, because um, a lot of people think for, um, till this time, that counterculture um, has to come with, um, like, uh, counterculture in music has to come with uh, guitar sound. And I know that it's, true for some artists, but it, I still get it. Like when uh, We're making most electronic music as Pussy Riot, because uh, we never knew how to play the guitars, and we've never been musicians in the very first place, because we were just artists, and we know how to push buttons on computers, but that's pretty much it. But I think that um, modern punk can be as well as, it it can be done with guitar, but uh, it can be done with another super uh, easy instrument that everybody has, which is your computer. So I'm actually trying to look around myself and find these examples of digital punk. And for me, Alvanota is one of them. And um, the next music video that I will want to show you later is um, um, I want to show for the same exact reason.
1: So the punk element, when you associate Pushy Riot with punk, what is the punk element? I mean, it's not it doesn't sound at all like Sex Pistols or... So it's a, it's an attitude, or what is the punk element?
3: I think punk is about ethos. It's about uh, DIY method. It's, it's about uh, telling what you want to say. It's about pushing boundaries. It's about uh, asking uncomfortable questions. Uh, it's about being politically minded. It's about being politically um, active. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. But it's not, for me, it's not particularly about the same, the, the same aesthetics that you're bringing with yourself from 70s. Because if you're doing the same thing as uh, you know, Sex Pistols uh, made decades ago, that's not punk anymore. That's, that's more like a museumification of punk, but it's not an actual punk.
1: Okay. Some of the audience agrees. Do you have any comments, Kim?
2: Um, no, I mean, actually, seeing the logos, it reminds me of um, you know conceptual artwork from the 70s. Um, but it's a good example of how art, it does influence, or it's just parallel to. And seeing it in a popular format, it's, it's always, I like that. <laughs>
1: That's
2: good. <laughs> I mean, I like that it kind of... Um, for entertainment, it does not give a lot. you know I like that it's kind of um it's tight you know it's like uh, you have to you have to work your brain to figure out what it means or you know it's it's not like laying it out for you
1: You have a question for Nacha about visual art
2: uh, if I did I forgot what it was <laughs> um, oh i guess oh, yeah what um I know. Is there a piece of art or something that um, you feel? Well, I guess. I mean, this is an example of something you feel like inspired you. And and um, but my question was like, what what work of art or piece of art or film or um, really um, inspired you to to um, take action that way?
3: When I just started. As a political activist, it was um, Russian actionist movement from the 90s, and they reflected on crazy times with liberal shock economy that happened with Russia in 90s, where everything was started to fall apart. But So people had this um, you know, extreme combination of uh, total freedom and at the same time total chaos that came with this freedom because they didn't have... So basically what... Um, those actionists were doing like Alek Kulik, who was running down the street completely naked and just biting people, behaving like a dog, or um, Alexander Brenner, who uh, came to the Red Square um, dressed dressed like a boxer, and um, he came to the middle of Red Square um, and he started to jump and say, like, "Boris Yeltsin, you 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 have to come and fight with me." So Boris Yeltsin was the president of Russia at that time. And um, so after 20 minutes of jumping in the cold, just in his um, you know, boxer's outfit, he, he was detained by police. Um, so basically their topics were extremely personal, existential, but at the si- same time extremely politicized. And um, we felt like in the beginning of Zeroes, in the beginning of the century, this tradition, for some reason, um, stopped just for for a decade. So we were heavily inspired by those artists and we wanted to be part of that movement, Moscow actionist movement. And that movement, of course, is um, heavily inspired by artists like Marina Abramovich or by Viennese actionists.
2: What about Valley Export? Are you familiar with, were you? Of
3: course, your g- genital panic. Yeah. That's actually, this was um, part of the lecture and that was um, with what we started with the because we made this as a joke and it was a lecture about punk feminism in art. That's how we called it. And um, yeah, while an expert, of course.
1: We need to uh, move on to your next example uh, by uh, Richard Prince, 18 plus Stormy. Do you want to introduce that?
2: Oh yeah, it's um... We can just
1: put it on the screen because it's just an image. Yeah,
2: Richard Prince, um, who's a visual artist who's known for and gotten in trouble, sued a lot for appropriating images and um,
1: his... So what he does is he he takes uh, almost exact copies of already existing commercials and that stuff just to explain the word appropriation, yeah.
2: Yeah, and his latest series was Instagrams and... um, Um, Actually, he he did a portrait of me on Instagram, and he got sued. I posted it. You didn't mind. Um, It it was interesting, because it was... um, The photographer took it for this magazine called Paper Magazine, and he was paid for it. And then he sold it to Vogue, and he sold it to other people. Um, Anyway, but that's besides the point. Um, So, this is a poster that uh, Richard... Prince did for an organization in New York called Downtown for Democracy, which is I think artist led um, and it's called eighteen plus stormy and it 's all the women who have come out with sexual harassment complaints against donald trump and um, I don't know I just thought it was a really good example of actually something that was a piece of um, political you know kind of political art but kind of approaching it sort of sideways, and um, it um, did raise money. You know, they sold it, and... Um,
1: so we should maybe explain technically that it's an overlay of all the... Yeah, it's an overlayer of
2: all the faces
1: of the women. So this who, is a composite yeah. image of a lot of portrait photographs.
2: Um, it's, and it's uh,
1: an average uh, 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 Trump woman.
2: <laughs> it's it's average out. I mean, I, I kind of... Um, Felt bad actually choosing work by a male artist, (laughs) you know, that was actually using women's faces, but um, it was, I don't know, it just, it was one of his, seems like one of his better pieces. um,
1: Some would say, uh, what do you think about this? Some would would probably say that this is is attacking Trump for his personality and and character rather than from his uh, actual policies.
2: Well, but he's leading the country through his personality and his um, really lucky astrological chart, <laughs> I think he has. Um, so, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's really hard to separate
1: the, the person. Do you agree with that, Nigel? Naja? You have made a video called Make America Great Again, right? Also attacking Trump, but also addressing his uh, politics. Would you say a bit about that?
3: Um um, we never had intention to attack Trump, um, like, he just wants to be attacked, like, he's... <laughs> he likes it, I mean, I've, you know, but... <laughs> so, um, I think it's not about personality, when you're a president, when you're a public politician, when you're an elected official, you just have to take it for granted that you don't have personal, anything basically personal, at the time when you have to serve to the people, and, um, yeah, definitely, I, I'm <laughs> I don't want to um, defend Donald Trump in any case. The video, Make America Great Again, uh, was about stigmatization. It was more than just about Donald Trump, actually. And uh, Donald Trump is a big bully, and uh, he's known for that. But, basically, the video is about you being burned every time when... Somebody, especially in the position of power, saying something, stigmatizing you in this or another way. And even before Trump was elected, he already brought a lot of um, terrible consequences to people starting from schools to the workplaces where bullying started to be normalized. And uh, I know it from my personal experience. I was, um, I went through the court case where I was called by all Russian television channels that are all state controlled or state owned. Um, I was called a bitch, I was called a traitor, um, an enemy of the state. As, um, they did told me that I actually want to um, tear Russia apart and sell it to the United States and I'm paid by Hillary Clinton to do it. So you see like all the amount of negativity and hatred that comes to you just because someone in position of power said something against you, and Trump does it on a daily basis. Um, yep, that's why artists have to do something with it.
1: This is also the time of the very powerful Me Too uh, movement, hashtag Me Too movement, um, which to me appears more powerful than any artwork I can think of so can as a is a hashtag more powerful than any artwork
2: well, I mean, I think like the culture is um pushing art i mean it's pushing it's 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 uh, leading art more than art is leading the culture and um, so yeah i mean it's i don't know it's <laughs> just it's a strange time but um I think that uh, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I did a painting of a hashtag. You know, it, was like, it was like the <laughs> dumbest painting I could think of, but I was doing uh, these uh, protest paintings in gold, just like sayings like this is illegal and, you know, things I'd seen on like signs and and then I just did a giant hashtag and I was like, that kind of says it all, you know, in a way, but it it's so dumb, you know um and um i i don't know i think that um i don't know i don't know it's just it's a strange time
1: <laughs> as i understand it in russia the mutual movement has a hard time or is sub- it exists
3: but it's not that mainstream it's um, it's really counterculture because um there there are a couple of um journalists who accused um a member of parliament that actually he um, he wanted to get something from them that they didn't want to get to him to give to him and um, yeah they were called sluts and they were basically the same thing. That it looks like uh, all sexes of the world had united and wrote a book. How should you call uh, a woman who accused you of uh, sexual assault that you didn't didn't wear um, skirt long enough or something like that. Uh, and yeah me Too movement in Russia is not being supported by mainstream media, of course it 's not in the news uh, but um, you can find information about it in the internet sector, so there are still um, place to there are still space to try to change something, so it 's not hopeless
1: okay
2: i mean in a way though it 's like
3: the hashtag or the hashtag me too becomes
2: like a brand you know like it 's another logo, and um people really forget what it's about, you know, also, like, there's no nuance to anything, or it's just like, everything is um, under the umbrella of this.
1: Maybe that's the f- the flip side to having so much power in a in an open hashtag that anyone can use, that it becomes, you know, a very broad thing.
2: Well, it takes a life of its own, and then it yeah. kind of runs its course, but, I don't know.
3: You know, c- coming... Coming back to your question, about um, is hashtag more powerful than the art? And I, I, I think uh, about 1960s and 1968, for example, like when you have Ceternationist Sytonish, uh, International and you have uh, the workers' movement at the same time. And the workers are those who are making... The strike or making mines and factories stopping, but at the same time you cannot really say that art or philosophy wasn't important at 1968. So I think it's a kind of ping-pong between um, Mm. their actual political movement and uh, art that has been infused by activism and politics.
1: That's a very good point. So we need to move to the last example. It's um, it's an example that you chose, Nadia. It's a video by the Scottish. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I wanted to say composer, but you probably have some other word for her. Uh, but uh, the Scottish composer musician called Sophie. Um, she's
3: Scottish. I know, I know that she lives in um, America.
1: Huh? I know that she, yeah, lives she lives. In she lives in LA now, but she's from Scotland. Oh, yeah. Never mind. So, um, do you want to say anything before we watch it?
3: No. Let's just watch it.
1: Okay.
0: My face is the front of shop. My face is the real shop front. My shop is the face I front. I'm real when I shop my face.
1: This was only the first half part of the video, so watch it all on YouTube, I'll keep repeating that. Um, So, uh, Face Shopping by Sophie, Um, what inspires you by that?
3: I never wanted it so badly that I would be the creator of this video, because I think it's just ideal thing. Um, So, talking about pop culture, Mm -hmm. I remember two years ago, I was working with um, Charlie XX, pop singer, songwriter, and she told me that I I think the Pussy Riot really needs to work with Sophie. And I was, at the time, I still was partly um, full of this um, prejudices, like, oh yeah, but pop musicians say me something, maybe I shouldn't trust her. So two years passed by, and I, I didn't trust Charlie at the time. But then Sophie started to uh, put on more and more tracks, and I understood that actually that's what I'm looking for right now. This kind of sound that I'm looking for, because it, it is like what Sophie is doing. Um, she's basically and primarily a producer. Uh, it is uh, the definition of digital punk for me. It's a contrast of uh, um, basically. It is about contrast. Um, thematically, I think I don't need to say a lot about it. It, it is about face shopping. It's about um, being closed within your identity, being um, trying to sell your identity. I'm real when I'm my face, but at the same time, it's not. It's not. Um, about Sophie being preachy about it because her identity is really important thing for her as well and the way how she looks, the way how she presents herself because she just came through um, transition and uh, she made a couple of photoshoots when she appeared as a beautiful woman and um, before that she never posted any, even one picture of herself. Um, So that's... There's a gentle and radical, at the same time, approach to the topic of identity, where she tells about uh, importance of it, but at the same time, um, how not to become, or this problematizes the problem of becoming a commodity.
1: And it's interesting, because it's, it's very ambivalent. It, it, it challenges, it critiques the idea of authenticity. Um, and and sh- when she's interviewed, she's like, well, uh, Plastic surgery is just freedom to to change, to be whoever you want to be. It's a freedom of identity. And she also, musically, she challenges the idea that you also mentioned before, that guitar music is more authentic than electronic music. So she finds some sort of liberation in the artificial, um, which is quite interesting. But at the same time, when you watch this video, it's not totally idealizing the idea of plastic surgery, the video itself could also be seen as a critique because it distorts the face all the time, it doesn't seem nice in any way.
3: I think real artists are trying to um, be the barometer um, or you know, a mirror in a way for, for his or her time. And uh, we can't we really change it, but we, we can reflect it in a way so to make other people think. And um, yep, that, that's what's going on here.
1: She's also extremely commercial. I mean, she does... Uh, really? Music for, for,
3: huh? <laughs> I have no idea about that. Okay, like, What is she it? Just, what is she, made, she made commercial. music for,
1: for McDonald's. She makes uh, product placements in her videos. So it's sort of shamelessly commercial, perhaps in a way to sort of exhibit commercialism in music. But in interviews, she just embraces it completely. She doesn't see, uh, see any problems in it. Um, Kim, did you know this video
2: no i d- I don't know the person actually.
1: Did you see some sort of feminist power expression in that
2: um, i don't know kind of but not really i mean it, it maybe me th- well it made me think um i don't know you know it, it, it it's more to me about. What it's saying about commercialism, and, um, and, you know, I was, just, you know, when is the Me Too movement going to influence the culture of advertising? And, I mean, as women and also men, I mean, we're all, all like sort of shown how we should be walking and sitting and dressing and and. Um, You know, whether it's, like, a store window or, um, you know, with mannequins and, you know, like, I think women are really tired of um, being told how to dress and walk and look and be fashionable. And and that's nothing new. I mean, that's, like, been building for such a long time. Um, And, I mean, it's more really about consumerism and... Actually, I think it's kind of interesting how men have become consumers like women because their identity is kind of lost in the culture. I don't know. Since the John Wayne ideal <laughs> went out the window in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's become more, um, even though people talk about women and advertising, it's kind of interesting where men are in relation to it as well.
1: You made a fashion collection in 93 or something, isn't that right? What was the idea of that in relation to consumerism and telling women how to dress? And
2: um, well, there wasn't that much of an idea. <laughs> I mean, we w- we wanted to make clothes that were flattering for everybody. So, we wanted to make like t-shirts that were fitted or A-line skirts or I mean, the problem was w- our we, did, we and our parent company didn't know much about making women's clothes, which is all about fit, and things would come out too big or too small. So people were constantly criticizing us. You know, you're making clothes for, like, skinny girls, or, you know, you're making clothes that don't fit or something. You know, I don't know. It was, it was, we didn't never really thought of ourselves as designers. It was more um, X-Girl was the name, but that was kind of the best part was the name in a way. Have
3: oh, the so logo. I have a question for you. Uh, what do you think about Barbara Krueger's work I shop there for I am?
1: If I think of what?
3: Barbara Krueger's work I shop there for I am.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I think of it? Yeah, yeah, I I like both Jenny Holzer and Barbara Kruger as sort of uh, 70s uh, artists that use these slogans uh, that also has inspired some artwork of, of Sony use. Um, it's I find it great that you can, you can uh, imitate advertising and then just make a slight uh, uh, twist to it and uh, I find that an everlasting uh, uh, good way to, to critique uh, commercialism.
3: What do you think about Barbara Krieger being exposed in major institutions, museums and galleries?
1: Um, I think it's inevitable. I mean, that's, of course, a, a cowardly answer, but uh, it's, it's what happens, and, and one day you'll be uh, institutionalized.
3: I'm not talking that much about myself, but I'm talking about your critique of Sophie's video, because basically my answer could be that's inevitable <laughs> that she's making music videos with Coca-Cola.
1: Yeah, so music videos are just already there, you may say.
3: I mean the reason I mean, what I'm talking about the reason an institution if you're an artist who is this uh, who wants to make a bigger statement and be heard by a number of people then you're going to a big gallery under a going to a big institution and one or another institutions that they're not like, you have to um, you have to be critical about these institutions and I think um, Sophie is working really good with that and uh, Barbara Krieger is a good mm-hmm. um subvert um, subverted a subversive statement inside the gallery because it does criticize the whole notion of uh, the art being a commodity.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I mean, it had it had its time when it was progressive, and now it's just it's institutionalized. It's historical, uh, and that's the way it goes. I mean, we can't we can't change that.
3: For me, it's still progressive. For me, it's still punk. Like you know, yeah, I'm I'm perceiving it. Um, within the time when it was created, like Barbara Krieger's piece. And I cannot say that it was sanitized to me just because it was exposed in major gallery.
1: Mm-hmm. Time has run out, and uh, we need to stop here, but thank you, Nadja Tolokonikova and Kim Gordon. Thank you. Thanks.
0: You have listened to a Heartland podcast. If you like what you just heard, please write us a review on iTunes or even better, Tell your friends that you heard this. We would really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Hold up.